Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Come to us, JP. Hey, come on. Hey, yo, 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 bring it in. Hey, this the moment right here. This is the moment we all been waiting for, dog. This is our moment. We're going to protect this with everything you know. What is up, everyone? Welcome into the first ever episode of the Believe in Bucks podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Family Network. I am your host, Evan Winter. You can find me on Twitter at Evan underscore Winter, and you can find my written work at BucksReport.com. I am absolutely ecstatic that you all have decided to join me for this premiere episode. Just a few days away from the beginning of 2021 Bucks training camp. And I know what most of you are thinking, what the hell, man, what took so long to get this podcast off the ground? Well, hey, it took a few schedule adjustments, some personal arrangements on my own end, but thank you all so much for being patient, especially my brothers and sisters at the Believe Podcast Network uh, for waiting on me to be here and graciously fill your eardrums with all the Bucks content you need. Shout out to everyone involved that believe that's helped me get here this far. You all are the best, and I can't wait to see what this podcast and this Tampa Bay Buccaneers season has in store for the rest of us. But speaking of 2021 training camp and the 2021 season, I have an excellent first ever premiere show planned for y'all. You're going to have to deal with me for just a little bit, but then I have Aaron Schatz, the founder of FootballOutsiders.com, coming on in the second segment to talk some bucks and give his thoughts on the upcoming 2021 season as it pertains to Tampa Bay. So be sure to stick around through that. I promise I'll only waste about five minutes of your time before the good stuff really starts rolling on in. So before we get to Aaron, as I mentioned just a minute or so ago, Bucks training camp is right around the corner. I mean, as I'm recording this, it is Wednesday evening on July 21st. The Bucks rookies reported today, but everything really kicks off on Sunday the 25th. I'm actually going to be down there in Tampa myself to cover the first week of training camp. I will be covering uh, the 25th through the 31st, so be sure to check all of that out on BucksReport.com. But until then, let's talk a little training camp, folks. Let's just face it, this offseason has not been your average NFL offseason for an NFL team, especially a Super Bowl-winning team like Tampa Bay. The Bucks made history bringing back all 22 starters from the 2020 season, plus several key depth pieces. So a lot of the names, a lot of the positions, a lot of the players, we already know, and we already know how they fit into this team. Honestly, it's made me feel really lazy over the last few months because I don't, I mean, what's there to talk about outside of a few certain positions that still need to be determined, and really all but one of those positions are all backup positions, but as we know, depth is almost, almost, it's not as, but it's almost important as your starting caliber players. I mean, we all know that the NFL is all about injury. 
you're going to lose one, two, three, four, however many of your top guys to injury at some point. So who are the guys behind them that are going to back them up and hopefully make a difference when their name is called? Well, in terms of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a lot of those spots are even solidified, but there are still a few positions that need to be settled, and I'm talking about backup positions, over the course of training camp. And actually, let me take a step back. Most of them are backup positions. There is one starting position that Bruce Arians has made awfully clear will be decided during training camp, and that's the battle between Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. If you ask me, Ronald Jones should get the starting job almost regardless of what happened last year. He proved himself to be the best runner out of any running back on this roster, even with Giovanni Bernard now on the roster. But Leonard Fournette really made a case for himself during the playoffs. Now, there's a lot that goes into that. Tampa Bay's offensive line, even without Alex Kappa, just absolutely dominated. I mean, dominated. These guys were moving bodies during the playoffs. So it almost feels like any running back you plug in at that time would have had success. But we also saw the likes of Keyshawn Vaughn fumble in the opening wildcard weekend playoff game against the Redskins and never see the field again over the course of the next three weeks. So, you know, take that with a little bit of a grain of salt. However, When you look at a 16-game sample size that will now be stretched out to 17 games over the course of the regular season, Ronald Jones was easily the best running back on this team. Now, in terms of pass catching, in terms of pass protection, there is a lot left to be desired. However, if you're looking for a guy who can tote the rock and make plays, Ronald Jones is by far and away the most efficient runner on this team. I mean, he tied Aaron Jones, who was one of the league's best backs last year, in EPA per attempt. I mean, sixth best in the league was Ronald Jones per Sports Info Solutions. But at the same time, like I said, you cannot deny playoff Lenny and what he did over those four weeks of the season. Now, granted, a lot of that had to do with Ronald Jones having a quad injury and then also some COVID issues leading into the playoffs. And then let's not forget, Leonard Fournette was almost cut during the regular season. I mean, Bruce Arians literally told him, if you don't shape up, I'm going to ship you out. So when it comes down to this this battle between the two for the starting running back gig, it's going to come down to who's showing – that they can catch the ball on a reliable basis in camp and who's picking up the blitzers in pass protection. Whichever one of these two guys shows the most improvement in that area is going to get the starting gig. If you ask me, Ronald Jones, as hard as he's worked over the last two offseasons, should be working just as hard this offseason, and it should translate onto the field. I'm taking Ronald Jones in this instance. The next biggest battle in training camp, for me at least, is going to be Joe Tryon versus Anthony Nelson for that third defensive end spot. Now, granted, we're talking about two players with two pretty different skill sets, even though Tryon can play in the dirt or play with his hand in the dirt, rather. 
Anthony Nelson, for the most part, he's used as one of the uh, down defensive linemen whenever the Bucks decide to send four guys with one stand-up rusher. But he has rushed from the outside from time to time in a two-point stance standing up. So the guy has shown some promise there. Go back and take a look at the sack he had against the Washington football team in the wild card playoff game uh, against Morgan Moses who's not one of the premier left tackles in the league or anything, but if you ask outlets like PFF, he was part of a really good football team offensive line last year. Now, obviously, that's up for debate, but certain metrics have their own ways of ranking things, and you know we'll just go along with it for the sake of this argument. But at the same time, Anthony Nelson, in terms of a pass rusher, does not – have what Joe Tryon has, even if Tryon hasn't played since 2019. Nelson at this point is more of a run stopper, more of a gap filler. Now, how the Bucks use him this year, and you know how much he takes a step forward in terms of a pass rusher this year in camp remains to be seen, and that can completely throw this entire entire argument off of the tracks. However. Joe Tryon, especially if you're looking at the Bucks long term, with how much money they've pushed back after all the voidable years and all this stuff, he needs, almost has to, show the Bucks, almost force them to put him on the field this year. And the reason I say force is because we all know how many snaps JPP and Shaq Barrett play in a game over the course of a you know entire season these guys are on the field for like a minimum of 70 percent of snaps at the end of the day so the bucks aren't going to put joe tryon on the field unless they know he can produce and when you consider how much money you're paying shaq barrett and jason pierre paul that's not a bad strategy but if also at the same time if you're a bucks fan and if you're the bucks you want Tryon to force his way onto the field, especially if he's a first-round pick, despite the fact that he's never played in, or he's not played since 2019. So that's a huge battle coming up this year in training camp. Another battle on the list has to be the battle at kick returner. Now, I wrote a little bit about this on BucksReport.com. Right now, it appears to be a two-man show between Jaden Mickens and Jalen Darden. Jaden Mickens, in terms of a kickoff returner, was pretty damn good last year. According to PFF, he had the eighth best uh, kickoff return average at 24.3 yards per kick return among players with at least 12 kick returns in 2020. That's pretty good, but the Bucks as a team had the 19th best, which is, you know, if you want to play semantics, is the 14th worst kickoff return average as a team. Now, granted, other players could have been in other situations that brought that down, so it's not entirely a reflection of Mickens and his ability. However, Mickens in the punt return game was not very good per PFF. He was 20th, 20th excuse me, out of 23 potential players, 23 candidates, uh, with only 6.2 yards per attempt. No matter how you cut it, the Bucks need a spark in the return game. They need to continue to work on their special teams. And the hope is that Jalen Darden can provide that spark. He's more athletic than Mickens. He has that spunk. 
he has that quick twitch ability, the acceleration, the speed to take it the distance. He has the skill set to be the Bucks returner. He returned 35 punts for about 310 yards in college. He returned, I think, 17 kicks for 299 yards, if I'm just doing this all the top of my head, if I remember correctly. So he is obviously the number one challenger, and when you consider how stacked the Bucks' receiving core is, especially with the return of Antonio Brown, Darden is probably going to be the sixth receiver on this team. So his quickest way to get onto the field is to be a kick returner, whether it's punts or kicks. Now there are a few players that might break into the mold because Jaden Mickens is facing two misdemeanor gun charges stemming from his arrest in California that PeterReport.com uh, broke in March. If he has any kind of inkling that he might face jail time or if the Bucks have any kind of inkling that he might be facing jail time, which he shouldn't, depending on how these cases have gone in the past. But if there is some kind of notion that Mickens off the field will not be able to contribute on the field, then the Bucks would be dumb to give the position just straight away to Darden or a Cyril Grayson or anybody of that ilk. But at the same time, there could be some of those guys like a Grayson, a Giovanni Bernard, a Keyshawn Vaughn, an Augie Contressa who returned four kicks for almost 25 yards of pop in college who might be able to challenge Darden. You know, at the end of the day, and this is no knock against Darden, but he's coming from North Texas, a smaller school. NFL speed compared to that type of speed is absolutely different. Will he be able to acclimate, and how quickly can he acclimate? He has the athleticism to do it, but you never know at the end of the day. So there's a lot of moving parts when it comes to the kick returner battle in Tampa Bay. And the key thing here is as well, now granted Mickens shared a lot of duties with Kenyon Barner last year until Barner got hurt. But at the same time, he was the primary returner in terms of kicks and punts. So, will the Bucks be able to find that guy who can return kicks and punts? Or will they have to spend a valuable, and I stress the word valuable here, will they have to spend a valuable roster spot on a guy who can solely return kicks, who can solely return punts, that's a big deal at the end of the day if you have to use up an extra roster spot. And if they can't find anybody viable enough for those two spots, they could default to Mickens. And at the end of the day, you can't blame them for that, especially if they're trying to save a roster spot. And so last but certainly not least, the next biggest battle in training camp for me is going to be the backup quarterback spot. Now let's go ahead and get this out here in the open, just right off the bat. The Bucks do not need to lose Tom Brady for any stretch of the season. If they do, they're screwed. But that doesn't take away from the importance of the battle for the backup quarterback position this year. As of right now, all signs point to Blaine Gabbert winning the two-job and you would think Kyle Trask has a leg up on the number three job just because he's a second-round pick and we know how much this Bucks coaching staff covets his abilities. However, would it not be considered 
a slight disappointment if Trask can't come through and win the number two job this year in training camp or right before the season starts. I know those two timelines pretty much go hand in hand. But at the same time, Kyle Trask, as much as the Bucks coaching staff has touted him, he's a second-round pick, as I just mentioned. You want him to beat out Blaine Gabbert, who, yes, he's a former top 10, top 12 overall pick, whatever he was. I think he was seventh overall uh, when Jacksonville drafted him back in 2011 or 12. Either way, you want him to beat out a journeyman quarterback. You want him to beat out a backup quarterback who saw his first real live game action for the first time in his career just two seasons ago. If Trask comes in and does not beat at least one of these guys out, and there's no way they're going to put him on the practice squad, so he's almost got the number three position by default, but you never want a player to ever win anything by default. If he does not come in and and make a name for himself or separate himself from the rest of the pack, there's going to be concern because, and this is a conversation we'll have later on down the road, but as much money as the Bucks have pushed back into later years with these voidable contracts and with the up-and-coming younger players they have who are just itching for their big paydays, and rightfully so, Kyle Trask, he, he has to work. This has to work with him. If it doesn't, it could seriously set the Bucks back a few years and – you know, obviously we can debate the merit then if they win another Super Bowl this year. We can always talk about the risk and the reward and all that good stuff. But he has to work, and it almost has to start this year. Because if it doesn't start this year, right now as everything has set up, the Bucks can only take advantage of two years of Trask's rookie contract because Brady is going to be set to be here through 2022 that's not a lot of time, and we've seen how the thing, the 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 uh, the trend right now with NFL teams is you set your team up around a rookie quarterback contract. Granted, that rookie quarterback contract has to reflect good play from a quarterback over their first four to five years. But regardless, Trask was a second round pick. He's not going to get that fifth year option. So the window with him is almost as small as it is with Brady, almost. So the Bucks need to see something immediate, in my opinion, this year in order to feel good about the future. But granted, right now, all signs point to Gabbert. When you look at Gabbert, he's got $1.5 million of his $2.5 million deal guaranteed in 2021. I mean, he's an Arians guy. We know how much that carries weight on this team. Bruce Arians does not play favorites, but he certainly has deeper relationships with certain players. Think A.Q. Shipley, think T.J. Logan, think Kevin Minner, so on and so forth. So right now, everything is stacked in Gabbard's favor. But if Trask were to come in and beat him out, that means he's proving something to this staff. He's showing that he's a better option than Gabbert, which at the end of the day is a good thing for the Bucks and Bucks fans. All right, so I've been talking for almost nearly 20 minutes now. I know y'all are sick of hearing my opinions and my voice, so on and so forth and whatnot. But those are the position battles that, to me, weigh the most as we enter Bucks training camp over these next few days. 
I'll be right back after this commercial break with the Aaron Shads of FootballOutsiders.com. Do not miss it. The Believe in Bucks podcast with your host, me, Evan Winter. We'll be right back after this commercial break. All right, everyone, we're diving into the second segment of the Believe in Books podcast. I'm your host, Evan Winter, and as promised, we have the great Aaron Schatz on with uh, Football Outsiders. He is the founder of Football Outsiders, and if you're not familiar with the website, it is arguably the premier website in terms of advanced analytics, one of my favorite places to go to. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at F-O underscore A Schatz, and that's pronounced, or I'm sorry, it's spelled uh, S-C-H-A-T-Z. Don't forget to capitalize the F-O, the A, and the S. And then you can also find Football Outsiders on Twitter at F-B Outsiders. Aaron, thanks so much for coming on, man. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. You know, we finally got our book out the door, so I'm a lot better because uh, it's a lot of work that we do, and uh, now we're out promoting it, and that's a lot more fun than writing. Oh, for sure. 100%. And just real quick before we dive into everything, kind of give everybody like a brief description about the Football Outsiders Almanac, if you don't mind. Sure. This is our 17th edition. We've been doing this since 2005. Over 500 pages of advanced stat analytics. And uh, chapters on all 32 teams with breakdowns, a chapter about sort of where the team's been and where it's going, comments about the different units, skill players, fantasy football projections, there's also a big section with previews of the top 50 college teams. And then uh, you can either get it at Amazon as a printed copy or through a subscription to FO Plus on our site, footballoutsiders.com. Yeah, and make sure you all check out that FO Plus uh, subscription as soon as possible. I mean, the advanced analytics and stats that go into everything included in that uh, subscription are just out of this world remarkable but anyways man let's kind of move on to the bucks a little bit one of the cool things about the almanac is you have different writers writing about different teams now some of them cover the same team so on and so forth but it, it gives a great different perspective for each team thomas basinger uh obviously wrote um the bucks uh side of things but Aaron, I got to get your opinion on this. So the Bucks have been one of the NFL's healthiest teams over the last two years. Um, I think they ranked second in 2019 in terms of adjusted games, lost to injury, and then they were, they led the league last year, which is a good thing. It means they were very healthy throughout the last two years. But there's one injury that's just popped up over the last week, and everyone's still kind of talking about it at this point, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on what do you think of the situation surrounding Tom Brady, the Bucks, and the torn MCL that he played on in 2020? Well, there's two issues here. One is the reporting of the injury, and the other is what the injury means for Brady himself. As far as the reporting of the injury goes, I think the Bucks broke the rules. <laughs> I think they need to be fined or lose a draft pick or something. I mean, if he was injured all year – that needed to go on the injury report all year. If they're going to make teams stick to that, they need to make teams stick to that. But as far as how it affected him, I don't know what to think because it's he played so well. It's hard to see how it affected him. Like, he played so well. How could he have played better than that at his age, right? So, you know, hard time believing that he's better this year because he's suddenly healthier than last year because – he was so good last year. How do you get better than that? So it's really weird and hard to know what to think of the injury. 
Yeah, and the biggest thing is, you know, did the Bucks know about the injury? His personal trainer, uh, Alex Guerrero, came on. Uh, I can't remember what exactly show it was, so I can't source it properly, and that's just me not doing my job good enough. But I believe he said that the Bucks didn't know anything about the injury or they just slightly knew. But let me ask you this just real quick, and we'll move on to the other questions. Do you think the NFL well, – well, I, I don't think – I don't think that they should be fined or lose a draft pick if they didn't know about right. the injury, right? It's only if they knew about the injury and didn't report it that something should happen. Yeah, and that's kind of what's still up in the air right now. So, But do you think the NFL maybe kind of created this problem themselves whenever they removed the probable tag a couple years ago? Because if there was any kind of inkling, you know, they could have always just said he's probable. And we've seen the Patriots do that a lot in the past. What do you think about that? No, they have something like probable now. There are players who appear on the injury report without a designation. And okay. that essentially yeah. is probable. It's just now it's black instead True. of probable. Yeah, and they could uh, they could uh, crown it as not football injury related, you know, so on and so forth. So that makes a ton of sense. Uh, so, anyways, the FO Almanac has depth as something that could derail the Bucks' hopes at repeating. However, they've resigned some pretty key depth pieces like Raheem Nunez Rochez, Ross Cockrell, Leonard Fournette, and Antonio Brown, as crazy as it is to think that they're actually depth players at this point. And to a lesser extent, Blaine Gabbert, Ryan Griffin, they drafted Joe Tryon, they drafted Kyle Trask in the first round. So, there, there's a pretty decent amount of depth at these positions, but what positions worry you the most when it comes to depth on this team, and why is that? Well, number one is obviously quarterback. I mean, we're not Kyle Trask fans, and we are not Blaine Gabbert fans. So you can be quarterback, for that. obviously, if there's an injury there, they're in trouble. Mm -hmm. um, I think linebacker, inside linebacker in particular, if there's an injury to either White or David, there's nobody to really step up. I think there's questions at offensive line. Uh, I think it's interesting that they took Tryon mm -hmm. in the first round. Is it Tyron or Tryon? Tryon. Yeah, it's your Tryon. Like he's trying on a new, yeah. a new, a new but you still, Yeah, but you don't know what you're going to get out of him as a rookie, and then there's not a lot of depth after that. So, uh, And I like Ross Cockrell, but I think there's you want to have – you want to have four healthy, good cornerbacks if you can. So I think there's still depth questions at the defensive back position and the edge rusher position. Uh, the positions where I'd say there are not questions are definitely wide receiver and tight end. Those are very deep positions. That's not, I don't think they have depth issues. I think offensive line, I think inside linebacker, and then to a lesser extent, edge rusher and secondary. And it's, it's, interesting how those intertwine with those depth questions because we saw what happened last year when Ali Marpet went out for three games. I mean, the offense easily took a step back. The Bucks had to reshuffle the offensive line. Uh, you see, if you lose Levante David or Devin White, you're missing some serious speed, some sideline to sideline range, as well as some extremely important coverage ability at the second level. And then the pass rush, the outside edge rushers, and the secondary both go hand in hand almost with this team. I know there's the 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 raging debate right now whether pass rush or secondary means more. Well, when it comes to the Bucks defense, you could you could argue that they're both equal components. So when you and then obviously there's Tom Brady, and it reminds me of what Tom Moore said about Peyton Manning when Peyton Manning played for the Colts and Tom Moore coached, and he said, you know, we're effed 
if Peyton Manning doesn't play, so we don't practice effed. <laughs> and that's essentially what applies to the Bucks this year. Um, so while other positions might be uh, sewn up, for lack of a better phrase, in terms of depth, the ones that do stand out, yeah, man, they're definitely important positions when it comes to the functionality of this team. So I'm right there with you. Interesting to see how that all that plays out. So what kind of impact do you think Giovanni Bernard has this year? Well, I think that the receiving game for running backs will be better, right? They had so many drops last year. They didn't get much out of their running backs in the receiving Is that passes to running backs are just not a highly efficient form of offense. And I know it sounds weird for me to say that coming from New England and talking about a team that has Tom Brady at quarterback because you think of James White having whatever, 12 catches in the Super Bowl a few years ago. But for the most part, the fact is passes to wide receivers and tight ends just bring you a lot more efficiency than passes to running back. You don't want to build your offense around passes to Giovanni Bernard. So he's going to be better than Fournette and Ronald Jones as a pass catcher. But I don't think he's necessarily better than them as a runner. And you, you don't want to be using him as a pass catcher that much anyway. You really would rather get the ball. You want, the, you want the plays to be planned around getting the ball to Godwin and Evans and Brown. You want it to get to Giovanni Bernard as, you know, as a dump off if everybody else is covered. So in that way, I don't think he'll make a huge difference. And I'm, I'm almost there with you. I mean, granted, it's a need. The Bucks needed a pass-catching running back, at least a reliable one on the roster coming into 2021. But when you go back and look at – uh, Geo's tape from last year, you can definitely tell he's getting up there in age. He's losing a bit of a step. And Jamie Moyer, who's a really good follow on Twitter, actually put out a mashup today, or a cut-up, rather, of Bernard and Mixon in the passing game last year. And you could tell there was a, a big-time difference between when Mixon caught the ball and what he did with the ball in his hands and with what Bernard did. Even though Bernard still showed, you know, some of that that getaway, some of that speed that he's shown over the entire course of his career. So I don't think it's necessarily a lock that Gio is going to, you know, just be this big difference maker that a lot of people are are making him out to be. But as we all know, that will go on, that will play out as the season goes on. But in terms of your evaluation on him not being as an effective runner, I'm right there 100% with you. Ronald Jones is the best runner on this team. Uh, Leonard Fournette is good. He, I mean, he had he had an okay regular season, but obviously lit it up during the playoffs. But over a 16-game sample size, that's what matters. you got to excel there in order to get to the playoffs to begin with. So how tough is it going to be to gauge this rookie class after year one? Because when you look at who the Bucks picked in the first four rounds, Joe Tryon, Kyle Trask, uh, Robert Hainsey, and Jalen Darden, they're all coming into positions that are not only solidified, but the guys in front of them play a ton of snaps. They're on the field for – almost the entirety of the game. So these guys, unless they actually break through and make plays and show to the coaching staff that they belong on the field, odds are they're not getting on the field. So how tough is it going to be to really gauge this rookie class after 2021? I mean, for us on the outside, very, very difficult. But I think that, I mean, I trust that the Bucks do enough work in practice that they'll have an idea of what they have in these players even if they don't play a lot during regular season games. But there's no doubt on the outside, 
you you guys don't want to see Trask take a single snap, honestly. Hundred percent. And yeah. yeah, and you still want more Shaquille Barrett, Jason Pierre. Paul. I mean, Tyron will play a little bit in a rotation, but you you want to see more of the veterans. So um, yeah, it'll be hard to gauge how good they are after a year, but I, that's kind of the way you want it. Especially with the amount of money you're paying your edge rushers and Tom Brady and everything like that. I mean, I hate to boil it down to dollars and cents, but you want to give those guys as many opportunities as possible. And in the Almanac, it even stated that the only pass rushing duo to have more sacks over the last two years was the duo, and I say was because one of them isn't there anymore, but T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree are the only two uh, pass rushers on the same team to have more sacks than JPP and Barrett over the last two years. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. So I got to throw the Southern colloquialism in there real quick. All right, man. So before we head out, uh, who is the one guy on this team that you could think could have a big year and break into the NFL mainstream? I, I don't think it will happen because he would need injuries in front of him for it to happen. Like if Scotty Miller got a chance to actually start as a wide receiver in the NFL, I think he could put up really nice numbers. He's played very well and been really efficient in small sample sizes. It's not going to happen because he's the fourth guy on the depth chart unless there are big injuries ahead of him. Yeah, I love that answer, man. And I'm I'm one of the biggest Scotty Miller fans out there right now. Um, and obviously, like you said, he's not going to get his chance unless there is – an injury in front of him, but in terms of what he did last year and then just the growth that he showed, if he can show some kind of ability to create space over the middle, you know, just, just evolve his game a little bit more then man, I love that pick. And that's easily one. And he just actually switched agents and hired the shark drew Rosenhaus. So yeah, yeah. He just did that a couple of weeks ago within the last couple of weeks. So that shows right there that Rosenhaus thinks he's got something. And that guy, obviously, he might be an agent. He might be after the 3% at the end of the day. But he at least shows that, or at least he knows, rather, where NFL talent lies. So love that answer, Aaron. Hey, and if you don't mind, real quick, before we sign off, uh, plug your stuff. Let everybody know where they can find you, and we'll be out of here. Yeah, once again, footballoutsiders.com is the website. An FO Plus subscription is what gets you the electronic copy of Football Outsiders Almanac 2021. You can get it either monthly or annual. And the printed version of the book, you can find at Amazon. Just search for Football Outsiders Almanac 2021. Awesome. You heard him there, guys. And like I said, uh, catch him on Twitter at FO underscore A Shats uh, at FB Outsiders. Trust me, you'll be very glad you did. Aaron, thanks again so much for coming on, man, and we'll talk soon. All right. Good luck for the repeat, man. Appreciate it. Well, that will just about do it for the first episode of the Believe in Bucks podcast. I really appreciate all of you for tuning in and checking it out. Be sure to check me on Twitter at Evan underscore winner. Find my written work on BucksReport.com. And be sure to keep your ears to the ground this following weekend because, like I said, I'll be in Tampa Bay. I'll be covering the first week of training camp, and I'm going to be putting out a podcast episode. It should only be about 15 or 20 minutes total, but I'm going to be putting out an episode every day recapping the biggest events, the biggest storylines, what I saw on the practice field, 
as it pertains to that day. So a lot of good stuff coming up. Going to have a lot of really good guests as well. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, go Bucks! For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.